National Guard member and police officer Zach Knight talks about his business, Knight Protection Services. Coming up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. If trust, support, integrity, and respect are important to you, then you share values with Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal's mission is to put their members first, and they understand their needs and share their values. To see if you can join, visit NavyFederal.org slash eligibility. Hey, today we're, today we're talking with Zach Knight, who's an uh, Army National Guard member with uh, Knight Protection Services. Zach, so uh, before we get to talking about what you're doing in entrepreneurship with your protection services, take us back. Tell us what you've been in the, been doing in the National Guard. And you're actually still in the Guard, too. I am indeed. And, Joe, I want to thank you for bringing me on the show. I definitely appreciate uh, being featured on this on this uh, fantastic broadcast you have going. Um, as far as my guard time, um, I was a police officer in Metro Atlanta. And my two weeks actually led right into um, joining the military about four years ago, where I went from basic to bullock. So I went straight into basic training, then OCS school, and then I bullock and became an infantry platoon leader um, right at that four-year-ago mark. And then uh, most recently, just got back from a combat deployment to Afghanistan in August of 2019. Wow, no kidding. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, these wars have been going on for so long. It's uh, it, <laughs> so many of us tend to forget, you know, even the, even those of those of us that were there at various times, that this stuff's still going on. I mean, we've been at it for 19, 20 years at this point, and uh, it's been a while since I talked to somebody that just got back. So. What, what, yeah, and it's, you know, what, what, what's going on in Afghanistan these days? Well, man, it, it's, <clears throat> it's interesting because, like you said, a lot of folks um, think we've kind of geared down a little bit. Um, I was actually a part of Operation um, Freedom Sentinel, which what essentially it boiled down to, we're an offensive operation. We were attached to a Green Beret Special Forces uh, Detachment, an ODA where we had the Green Beret team of 10 or so, and then my platoon of 40, and that's all that we had on the FOB. And we ran offensive operations every four days where the Green Berets would plan the ops, and then my platoon would facilitate not only base security, but also essentially be the muscle attached to. So 20 of my guys would go out on the operations to provide the manpower for the Green Berets, as we did uh, the ANA, uh, the Afghan National Army training uh, as well. So we are kind of like the mentor and advise, but also the driving force of the operations. Yeah. It's amazing how, how much stuff is still going on. And, you know, the media and the American people, it's just been going on for so long that it's like, eh, they just don't, they just don't care anymore. It's just boring to them. They don't, <laughs> it hardly ever gets any kind of coverage anymore. Yeah, and it's interesting, actually, 2019 was the deadliest year for us in Afghanistan mm. for American troops. So it's still hot and heavy over there, but you're right. It's become less of a hot topic in the media since it's been going on for two decades now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to see that. Um, so tell us uh, a little bit about your, your entrepreneurial interest in uh, when that, when you got started with that. And then eventually uh, if you want to work your way into what you're doing with your security company. Yeah. So my security company was actually my first endeavor into 
my entrepreneur journey, um, it really drives back into my why from the police force where I responded to several, you get audible alarms all the time when you're a patrol officer and it, 97, 98% of the time, it's a false alarm, but you do have that, those calls every once in a while where there was a burglary that happened. And the problem that I, I think entrepreneurship is all about, what problem are you solving? Right. Mm-hmm. And in, in my years of policing, it was from 2010 to 2017 where the, the culture changed against police officers. The black lives movement was very heavy um, a lot of the shootings happened between police officers and the public. And that was kind of the rhetoric that was going on. Yeah. So it was a very difficult time to be a white cop in Atlanta, which is a very diverse city. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it was interesting as I was doing different things. I, I was very passionate. I was a police officer in the town I was born and raised in. So it was truly about giving back to that community. Most of the folks around knew me from, playing little league and coaching little league and being just involved in the community. So I took crime probably more personal than somebody that's not from that area. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make a heavier impact. And the problem that I ended up solving with night protection was the liability attached to law enforcement officers keeps them from doing so many things, especially with that rhetoric against police, where if, a police officer makes a recommendation of some sort, then if it doesn't work out, they're liable. The city's liable, the police department's liable, so on and so forth. And those lawsuits just became rampant. <laughs> so as a police officer responding to a burglary, you, you respond, you clear the house, you go through, and then you have to inventory with the resident. And I distinctly remember one call I was on where the homeowners came home. It was a burglary. They came home and it's just like you see in the movies where everything's like ransacked, right? The yeah. TV's missing, the laptop's missing. That's all obvious. But what's not so obvious are the intangibles that I can't see offhand, like a stash of money under the mattress or the jewelry box that is full of grandma's jewelry that was handed down to somebody or the guns under the pillow, right? I, I don't know that. So you have to go through an inventory with the homeowner. And as we were doing this on this particular call, the the wife, the husband or wife, the wife started going through her jewelry box and realized that her grandmother's heirloom ring that is irreplaceable was gone. Mm. Um, she didn't have a photo of it. Her grandmother died about two weeks before. So she just started bawling and in, in between sobs, she wanted to know, what is it that we can do to keep this from ever happening? She asked me, uh, what could we do to prevent from ever being victimized like this again? And as a police officer in that time, you can't answer that. Because if you give that recommendation, you're liable for anything. And generally, the police department will say, don't make those recommendations because we don't want to be liable. You know, If you make those recommendations, you're staying on your own. So if you get sued... The police department and the city pretty much step away from that. <clears throat> so you mean something as I, simple I, as like, uh, oh, what should I have? What should I have done? Well, if you from now on, if you take pictures of all your valuable valuables, um, maybe next to your driver's license, so we can identify with you, then we'd be able to more likely recover it. And then, like something happens, and then you still don't recover it, they can sue you because they didn't get their ring back. So it, it's not necessarily as much as taking the photographs as it is. 
you know, recommending locks or what lights work or what alarm system works. Cause if those fail, that's where that, that point comes across where you're liable for, Oh, well you recommended Ackerman instead of ADT and ADT has a really? higher success. Yeah. Wow. That's where it becomes more of an issue. So that, that nagged me for a long time. And I was going through, it was actually while I was in OCS that I came up with the idea to try to solve that problem. And that's where night protection was formulated from was focused on how can I actually make those recommendations and solve that problem for the homeowner. So night protection was developed into this essentially consulting agency that started purely residential where we do security audits and security assessments that help crime and risk mitigation for the homeowner. And now in the last, uh, coming back from Afghanistan in August, we've now branched into commercial space as well, where we focus on organizations that usually are in the 50 to 100 employee range and uh, 10 million in revenue. I'm trying to expand our market a little bit. Yeah. Now, Night Protection Services. Did you actually change your last last name to Night so that it fit better with a with a protection service company? No, honestly, <laughs> um, I just was blessed with that. That's my uh, my dad fits really name. well. I took it. Yeah. It does. It does. And then with so, the background, it all fits perfectly. Yeah. Um, so when you first started, was there actually, did you find that there were actually a demand in, in, with homeowners? Like would homeowners actually have you come out and check things out or, cause it seems more like a, a commercial business type, uh, need than your typical homeowner wouldn't, wouldn't really do that. Yeah. And, and honestly, there was a pretty good need. It was an idea. It's not an original idea. I didn't come up with doing this myself. There are mm-hmm. companies throughout the country that do similar things. But what ended up happening is homeowners and HOAs would ask police departments to do similar assessments, Hmm. but they would only go so far, right? They would toe the line, but not step into that liability issue. So it was more of a formation of how can I go that extra step to provide that proactive protection and to that um, success rate in month six, we hit 10K in revenue for that month. And that's where we realized, all right, we do have something rolling. Yeah. Um, the unfortunate part was um, month eight of being in business, I deployed to Afghanistan. <laughs> and my my wife, who was a former police officer, she actually ran the business while she was a police officer during the deployment. Mm, wow. And she was able to keep it going and uh, still still in business when you got back? Yeah, that's the amazing part. We yeah, we kind of branched in a couple of different services, but she maintained revenue uh, while I was gone, which is really all you could ask for. So um, yeah, definitely, definitely enough to pay the bill. <laughs> now, how how are you guys? Obviously, if a police officer is giving recommendations, there's a liability issue there with the police department. How are you guys dealing with? Because uh, obviously, if you advise somebody and something still happens, then you just basically have an insurance policy against it, or or are you still held liable the same way like a police department would be held liable? Yeah, I can, there's a, a lot of liability attached to it. I have a ton of liability and um, professional opinion. Uh, I can't remember the exact terminology of it, but professional liability um, that is pretty much for a consulting based company. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of, if it ever came to it, thankfully knock on wood, I've not had an issue yet. And, um, but I w- also went the extra step of getting um, civilian side credentialing for threat analysis that 
um, will also back that up a little bit where I'm not just relying on law enforcement or military training. I actually went that extra step to get further educated where if the lawsuit comes up, I can back up why I made certain recommendations. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back. I joined Navy Federal back in 1990 when I first entered the Marine Corps. And 30 years later, I still have that same checking and savings account. But you don't have to be in the Navy or Marine Corps to join. If you're an active duty service member, veteran, DOD civilian, or military family member, you can join Navy Federal. That means if you've served in any branch of the military, doesn't have to be just the Navy. Could be the Army, Marine Corps like myself, Air Force, or Coast Guard. You can join Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal puts members first by helping them save money, make money, enjoy peace of mind and security through personalized around-the-clock service. If you're active duty, you'll enjoy free active duty checking with perks like account balance and transaction notifications, early access to your military paycheck, and up to $240 in ATM rebates per year. It's easy to join Navy Federal. You can become a member in as little as 10 minutes. Visit NavyFederal.org slash eligibility to see if you can join. Navy Federal Credit Union, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is federally insured by NCUA. All right, back talking with Zach Knight from Knight Protection Services. So, Zach, what um, you know, you're still in the, you're still in the guard. I uh, just got back from a deployment. Um, what kind of things? You know, when you went into entrepreneurship, you'd already had quite a bit of military experience under your belt. What kind of things from your military training and military experience helped you and uh, influenced you as you went into the entrepreneurship business side of things? I think the big thing that we can focus on is like the intangible lessons that we learned from the military, right? And that goes all the way back from basic training where the drill sergeant got in your face, but also there's a purpose behind all of that where, you know, they're building that discipline, building that structure and a building a routine. And I think that was key in moving into the entrepreneur space for success where I still wake up at zero four in the morning. I still work out first thing in the morning. But I've built that structure throughout my own day, whereas entrepreneurs and fellow entrepreneurs I've seen can kind of get a little bit lax with that where they're, you know, they'll wake up at eight or nine in the morning and they get their day going, but never have a good solid flow or a good solid morning routine. And I think that's so vital from the lessons we learned in the military that we can then take and apply into entrepreneurship to maintain that structure and maintain that discipline. Yeah. And, uh, you obviously are, are from from the area you're currently working in. You're also a police officer there, heavily involved in the community. So, you know how how important was it to you to have that network already in place uh, as you went into business? I think it was hugely vital. Where um, the law enforcement network I built is what made me successful on the residential side. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we're branching a little bit commercial, it, it's a different world for sure. Uh, but having that network, I think one guiding principle that I've always gone by is your network is your net worth. And Absolutely. you always have to be building that network and finding that. Right now, I'm a 100% resi- uh, referral-based business. So I don't make money if I don't get that next handshake and that next introduction. So yeah. it's all about networking for me. And because of that, do you put a lot of money into advertising or marketing? Or is it, I mean, if, if all your, if all your customers are coming from word of mouth, it's like, well, is it even worth it to throw money at marketing and advertising? 
You know, I think it depends on the industry. Me personally, I spent 25000 um, on a marketing firm during the deployment to help my wife market and maintain since she was also still working full time. And out of that 25000 we got zero clients, uh, <laughs> zero phone calls, zero acquisition of anything. Wow. Uh, and and we're very, you know, they always say you want to niche down as much as you can. And we're very niche in what we're doing, where we're somewhat creating a market for our services at the same time as we grow. But for me, marketing on, you know, paying for Facebook ads, that's not where my ideal client's going to be, right? right. So it, it, it turns into where's your ideal client? And if an ad spend or a marketing spend gets you in front of them, absolutely go for it. But for me, that's not how my business is structured and how I'll find my next client or my next business executive that would be willing to hire me for that safety and security culture building. Yeah. That's so vitally important. And, you know, you you do have a luxury that a lot of, a lot of veterans don't have like a, they've either been gone from their community for a long time while they're on active duty or, they've relocated from, you know, where they originally grew up. And even if, even if they were stationed there, their network may not extend too far out from, you know, the, the post or the base, um, into the, in the civilian sector. So, um, it's so true what you said about, you know, your network is your net worth. And I, I think sometimes that escapes a lot of us veterans on how important that network is, because we're very familiar with, with our military network and the value of that. And, so many of us don't even have a civilian network, especially a, a business civilian network. Um, and that's definitely one of the things you can do long before you ever start getting out is trying to build that network on the civilian side where you plan on living or where you plan on locating. If if you're not in that community yet, it makes it even harder to do because you know, you're not there. So um, have you done any... Is there anything unique or or interesting about where you actually get your clients from? And you said word of mouth, but like you know that your clients are not on Facebook. That's not where you're going to find a client. Is there something uh, special or identifying where you typically find your clients that's kind of interesting? Because some, sometimes that's the case. It's uh, a number of business owners figure out they get all their clients from some you know weird or uh, interesting kind of thing going on. And then they just focus on that. You know, I think it's not necessarily that I'm doing anything weird or different compared to other entrepreneurs, but compared to a lot of the veterans that are transitioning out, I think there are a couple things I've done a little bit different. I've never been in that active, fully active duty lifestyle. So being national guard, I've had a little bit more time before the deployment and um, after the deployment where I can focus on certain things, but while I, even during the deployment, I was on active orders for almost a year. There, were, I still maintained certain things. Like uh, I, I just wrapped up my MBA, but my MBA was I did some of those classes while I was on active orders. When you found the time, mm-hmm. but I also maintained my network with veteran entrepreneurship communities. Like Bunk, Bunker Labs is huge here in Atlanta, or um, we have another organization that I'm actually on the board of called Vet Atlanta, and they have quarterly summits that draw about a thousand people. The last one in December was at Dobbins Air Force Base, which you're familiar with. And um, it's one of those that are just being involved in that community and maintaining that 
has driven, I get referrals from people in Atlanta. I get referrals from Bunker Labs. But if I'm going out and prospecting personally, I'm, I'm going straight to LinkedIn and doing LinkedIn campaigns beyond that networking where if I try to find somebody that's in that ideal space where I can prospect them on LinkedIn, but also maintaining those connections in the veteran community, in the local chamber, or in uh, closed networking groups. I think all of those are vitally important to growing that network. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, uh, I'm actually a city leader for Bunker Labs uh, here in Kansas City, too. You know, it's a phenomenal uh, networking opportunity for me. And, and it, you know, it's right up my alley of what I'm doing with the podcast and my, my personal interest with veteran and, and military spouse entrepreneurship. So definitely uh, very familiar with Bunker Labs. We just stood up the Kansas City chapter uh, late last year. Um, so Kansas City is kind of new and, and fledging, fledging with Bunker Labs, but um, been in a number of national and larger city events uh, around the country uh, since I got, since I got started. So it's good to hear, good to hear you mention Bunker Labs. Um, so what kind of, uh, if you're talking with, you know, if you're talking with somebody out there that's that's listening and and they're looking to start some type of business in in their local community, um, they're not real sure about entrepreneurship, business ownership. And what were some of those hard lessons you learned in the beginning um, of just starting a business and and taking payments and making money? You know, what what were some of the things that came as a surprise to you? Honestly, I think it boils back to that marketing. I think there were some really tough lessons I learned about how to get in front of that ideal client. And depending on the industry, a marketer isn't necessarily going to understand security and they're not necessarily going to understand the military or veteran mindset. So when they try to market certain things, they might not align with your ideals and they might not align with your vision of where you want to go. And I think it's so key to realize that it's your vision, your mission that you're on mm-hmm. and you need to maintain true to yourself and true that uh, to that authenticity, because if you don't, then there's going to be a failure there where there's a cross messaging. You're never going to find that success. And that's something I struggled with, with that, that marketing firm that I hired they had a different idea. They were much more liberal com- compared to the si- the conservative aspects of, you know, the Second Amendment. I like talking about the Second Amendment. That's a huge thing in the veteran and security and police space. But they shied away from the Second Amendment and gun rights. <laughs> but, you know, so it's like I, I understand you don't want to upset part of your potential client base. But you have to realize the people on that side aren't going to hire me anyways, right? So don't market to people that aren't going to hire you. Market to the people that are consuming your material, consuming what you're putting out there. And that was a very tough lesson I had to learn to be like true to myself about here's my message and here's what I can do for you. If you don't like it, that's okay. You can go find somebody else to work with because you're not my ideal client and I'm not your ideal company. So you you definitely discovered a a clearly defined line between those that want to protect and defend themselves versus those that don't have a clue about it or don't want anything to do with it. I I definitely have seen a a distinct line there. Most of my best clients are folks that are already security 
have that secure mindset mm. where they understand the veteran background, they respect the veteran background a little bit more and respect like the knowledge and experience. I'm not saying I haven't had customers that are more against firearms, but one big piece of what I do, and I think every entrepreneur should do, is educate their clients, educate through their messaging, where a lot of people are just scared of firearms because they've never handled one. So they're not interested in trying to learn about them. So they just immediately say, oh, no, 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 firearms are bad. But a lot of what I focus on is that educational piece where no firearms are not bad an untrained, unknowing person with a firearm is bad or somebody with bad intentions with a firearm is bad. But let's talk about the true message there. So I'm not saying I haven't had those clients, but again, that's not my ideal client. That's not who I'm, I'm personally targeting in my marketing efforts. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Now you're also, you're also a podcaster. So talk a little bit about your podcast and what you're doing with that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, I just recently launched in uh, the beginning of February, the Tactical Leadership Podcast. I'm building a little bit of a separate brand called Be a Tactical Leader that's going to focus on uh, leadership coaching and consulting for um, pretty much anybody that's looking to learn from what we've done as veterans and the mindset we have. It's kind of the Jocko Wheeling, Leif Babin um, with extreme ownership and echelon front, everything they've built on that side where they've taken those military lessons into the boardroom, I think that's huge. And that's some of the messaging where I'm trying to build with tactical leadership, where I'm interviewing industry leaders, executives, fellow veterans, and talking about how they build winning cultures through whatever their specialty may be, whether that's sales or marketing or security in my case, or whatever that may be. I try to find that specialty and find out how they've built successful cultures and it's a learning process for me. I think like yourself, you know, Veteran on the Move is a huge branding piece. And it's also part of my marketing where I'm getting in front of people in a different audience mm-hmm. and getting my message out in a different way. So I think it's a huge piece that plays right back into night protection that ties really well into my message as a whole. Yeah. And are, are you still are you still an active police officer also? No, no. I, I resigned that when I joined the military. Um, that training I talked about was about 15 months long. And um, no matter how much you articulate one thing or another, um, there's always some, some sourness and egos attached to when people leave to better themselves. I'll kind of <laughs> leave it at that. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it in the military. And oh, I, was yeah. a, I was a SWAT guy. I was a, a narcotics and gang investigator. So I was doing all the fun stuff, but when they found out I was leaving for 15 months, they were not thrilled with that idea. Interesting, you know, because you would think, I mean, most most police departments love hiring military folks because they're well-trained, um, but I guess they don't want to lose you in the process of being a police officer to go get some military training and experience. Yeah, so, I definitely did that part backwards. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a big issue. There's a, I mean, I was... I was in reserve units uh, for several years myself, and as a reserve, as a reserve, uh, as a reservist myself for about three years, and I, I used to deal, you know, hear all the stories about the guys in reserve unit and you know the struggles and trials and tribulations they have with uh, with their employers and stuff. You know, some it, if you're in the reserves with some occupations, it works great, and other occupations, it's just probably not going to work. Um, you know, so you got to be cognizant of that, but, um, sometimes it's unfair and not right, but you know, 
that's that's kind of the way things are. So, um, well, hey Zach, uh, getting close to the end of our time. Uh, I want to give you give you the last word. Uh, if you're talking to you know the veteran type military spouse out there looking to get involved in entrepreneurship, starting their own business, what kind of advice would you have for them? Stay through the course. I think it's huge to realize that things we've gone through that we have downplayed from combat to training to all the different aspects. It's nothing what we're going through now, even in in this current economic downswing with COVID-19, you know, that's nothing compared to what we have faced in the military. So stay the course, fight through it. There are going to be rough times, but realize you've already been through rough times and you're fully capable of maintaining that. Awesome. And also Zach, uh, uh, a final, final thing. How do, how do, how does somebody find you if they're interested in uh, talking to you about your protective services or, uh, talking to you about, you know, veteran wanting to start a similar type business or, or checking out your podcast? What, what kind of information, how can we find you? Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find all across, uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, the security company is at night pro LLC. The podcast is at BA Tactical Leader. And then the podcast itself is across all the standard podcasting platforms from iTunes to Spotify. And it's Tactical Leadership. Awesome. Well, hey, Zach, uh, appreciate you sharing your story and uh, looking forward to your future success in your uh, protection services business. Awesome, Joe. Thank you again so much for having me. You bet. All right. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.